podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. And today is 175th episode of Career Care Package. And on today's episode, we are talking about how to change your career, career change strategies on even in COVID-19 times, a word that we have heard many, many times, which is called pivot. So we are going to talk about career pivot. And to help us really, sh- uh, you know, unpack this and share her personal stories, Husna Pasha here. Now she has a very interesting career, and she will is here to talk about it. But she changed her career from occupational therapist, became a talk show host, and even had a cafe that, luckily enough, she sold before COVID nineteen broke out. So good. That's that's a very smart, foresighted decision. Uh, maybe you had a crystal ball and you looked at it and say, nah, this is the best time to sell that out. But it's great uh, to have Husna here on our show and talking about career change and some of the learnings that she had on her way. Before we bring Husna, let's welcome Caroline Brown. Thanks, Nation. Yeah, it's fantastic to be here. It's fantastic to be free and be able to walk the streets without a face mask and get out and about and drive and all those little things. So, um, Husna, thanks for joining us. I described your move as a power pivot. I decided to coin a term after after your career move. So thank you so much for joining us. Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for both having me. It's wonderful. And you're doing so well. I've been watching your shows. So uh, kudos to you. You're both doing a sensational job. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm just wondering, a good place to start is probably to get people to tell um, or oh, sorry, to get you to tell people what, what you're working on now and um, what, what you're doing at the moment. Look, I'm always doing something and I think mm-hmm. that's the main thing. I, I'm driven, I'm, I'm very career driven, but I'm just driven on busyness. I think that's what keeps me going, which is wonderful. So at the moment, I'm actually working at Triple Zero at Estra's um, senior manager and helping them through the workers' compensation, their mental health strategy, something that's coming up soon. It's some really exciting things that they'll be doing internally. So um, really great to be a part of the Triple Zero family at the moment, which has been really great. But besides that, of course, because I obviously love my little talk shows and I love the dream that I've created um, on the side, is I thought, you know, the thing I've loved about COVID and isolation is the way we reinvented ourselves in technologies. Now, we've always been using technology and we've always been online, but all of a sudden we're having weddings, you know, with hundreds of people and we are, um, you know, online for funerals and we are doing that more and more. So we've seen the opportunity to, to have a face-to-face but also include every man and his dog, I guess, um, to our special get-togethers or our occasions. So I thought, I'm really missing my talk show and I'm really missing my stage, but how can I still 
still continue to do this. And so I decided that I would have an international online talk show where we get to celebrate what it's been to be a universal family for the first time in my life, lifetime, that's for sure, and to celebrate music and performances, not just here in Australia and celebrating the cultural diversity um, that I have been celebrating here, but to celebrate it all over the world. And now is a perfect time to be doing that. So I'm looking to partner up with Multicultural Arts Victoria very soon uh, in the next four or five months we'll be putting on a, an awesome gig. So I'm very excited. Um, and besides that, I obviously do a little bit of writing online for magazines. So just busy, busy all the time. You know what strikes me is that um, that you see opportunity and and that combined maybe with some something that you love. Is that how you've created opportunities for yourself? I have had this little motto in my brain since a very young girl that I don't want to be 80 years old one day and look back in my life and say, I didn't do the things I wanted to do. I really have this dream. And since I was a little girl, it's crazy actually because my parents were very typically Indian and very strict and I was brought up in, uh, born in India but raised in Tasmania. So I had a massive self-identity crisis actually because I couldn't figure out whether I was Bollywood or Crocodile Dundee. So I created this kind of nickname of Bollywood Dundee, you know, and who am I? And, and you know, coming from a typical Indian family, um, being a talk show host or an entertainer or being in the media is absurd. It's almost looked at as criminal and your parents would potentially even put you or lock you up um, in a psych ward because they don't believe that that is even relevant in our culture whatsoever. So I decided to become an occupational therapist and I decided to become an occupational therapist because my parents are both, uh, my dad's a doctor and my mum was an OT, um, but it was the degree that I could get out of Tasmania as well. So it was one degree that was not in Tassie. So that was my first move to stardom, actually. So, and what I did since a really young girl is that I used to journal write. I used to journal write. I used to role play. And I truly believed that I was going to be this talk show girl one day. I thought that no matter what happens, I'm going to achieve this. And funnily enough, um, about five or six years ago, um, we keep writing on this story, but uh, I uh, auditioned for an opportunity to co-host on the project for a night. I won. It happened. And from there, I said, yep, if I can do this, I can do anything. So then I booked a stage. I booked it at Elizabeth Murdoch Theatre at the University of Melbourne. And I thought, why be Eddie Maguire and start in the mailroom when I can just arrive, really? So... That's what I did. I decided to arrive. (laughs) And I called my first talk show the talk show series. And the motto was um, uh, empowering people through entertainment. And, and, my, and my biggest mission is to bridge the gap between human beings by creating happier people. So I had this first talk show and lo and behold, 120 people turned up and I really couldn't believe it. I mean, okay, fine, 50% were my friends and family, but that's not the point. So, but then what I noticed is, is doing some live videos on Facebook, networking the way I do enjoy networking, I'm utilizing my contacts within my corporate world as well. I told everybody about my dream. I told everybody about my ambitions. And the next year, I then had 250 people come to my talk show. And then the following year, I had a full house. And then ABC did a documentary around it saying, who's this crazy girl (laughs) claiming to be the next Ellen DeGeneres of Australia? Although with her reputation now, I've decided I just want to be Husna. So um, it was just extraordinary. And I thought to myself, if you really believe in something, you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. So I'm continuing to do that. (laughs) It's just an amazing story of... um, I know 
like people have such self-limiting beliefs. Like you know, some of my clients are like, oh, you know, I'm over 40 and I can't use LinkedIn, just as a tiny little example, right? But, you know, it's an example of people putting themselves out there. So what gives you, I love the idea that you just didn't want to be in the mail room and, you know, get get on stage, but were you terrified? Like what, what gives you the confidence to just go, okay, I'm just, and, and really publicly just make it happen? Because I knew that Australia, first of all, um, wasn't ready for uh, people of a cultural background, diversity. We weren't there yet. I remember, yeah. I, you know, I tried to pay off the mortgage by being on as many game shows as well as I could. And that doesn't work, by the way, just to let you know, it doesn't work. Um, but every time I applied for the game show, I got on. And every time I went to that studio, they always picked me to be the person on stage. And then whenever they spoke to me afterward, they would say, you're a natural, you've done this before, or you should be doing this and I'd always ask the question well why won't you give me an opportunity um, and that happened so many times including being on the project and them saying the same thing gosh you're a natural and I thought well I'm here and I'm, and I'm telling you that I really want to be doing this why are you not picking me and I think that's why I decided I'm just going to go out on my own um, because I can and mm -hmm. all you need are people and you need followers and you need people that believe in you um, and I, because I believed in myself I knew it was possible so Failing is better for me than not trying at all. And I didn't fail. You know, the shows were, were amateur and there was never a rehearsal before the show. They were literally live because I didn't have the funds at the time um, to have rehearsals. People want to get paid if they're doing a performance of some sort. So I thought, well, we'll just bring it on the day. And somehow people loved that and it inspired people to make the difference for themselves to go out and pursue their own dreams. Such a fantastic story. Thank you. And it's All right. I know as, as we as we also have started to do, and uh, you know, we also don't do rehearsals just for the audience to know. We also stuff up on the uh, the show as I'm going to do it now because I I hear a lot of echo, and I'm going to get out of the show and you know change my microphone so that I can I stop hearing these noises, which is making me far more confused than I am. Um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to you know pause that you guys can continue and I'll okay so the, I'm in charge right oh, so, so I'm just going to make a few changes empowerment huh look That's at right. <laughs> so um, the occupational therapist how hard was it to get out of that career because that's where people get stuck as well in that kind of. Um, you know, I'm doing this, I'm pleasing my parents, or people will think badly of me if I change. How hard was it to transition out of that? Um, I think the thing for me is is that I continued on with my career. So I, I continued on with my day job, let's call it. So um, because I did love my day job, but I, I got a lot of benefit. And, and the tools and the skills I developed through that were very powerful, actually, for me to do my own thing. Um, it took some time for my parents to accept that this is what I wanted to do. And I think when they arrived here in the early 70s, they had suffered a bit of that racism. And so my father probably didn't believe it was possible. So I think for them it was not just about, well, that's not a good move. It was more that they didn't want me to face the rejection and the disappointment. But I think because I led by example and I showed them the possibilities, I showed them the success, I think they themselves were very, very taken aback um, that I managed to pull off what I did. So now they've become very supportive. And I think that the key is your parents or people around you will always believe in what you do if you believe in it. And people will be happy around you if you show and present to be happy. And because they saw 
saw that light inside of myself that I, every time I got on stage or in front of a camera, I got the opportunity to speak in public. They saw the light. They saw yeah. me shining. And therefore, the support then came from that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. What about, um, you know, when you went on stage, you mentioned you got 120 people. Was that a matter of just telling everybody that you knew that this was going on and that they should join you? Or how did you... Um, no, you've got to network. People people yeah. expect you just to come. You know, I, I know a lot of people that believe in the law of attraction and, and, and mm. believe in that sort of spiritual. And I, and I do too, but it comes with action. It doesn't come with sort of sitting there and writing it down endlessly. It comes with you doing something next. Mm. So I joined uh, the Entourage, which is a Sydney-based um, organisation. And they talk yeah. about entrepreneurship. And... Uh, Jack DeLossa asked everybody, what's your mission? What do you want to go out there and do? And there was about 250 people in the room. And I put my hand up and I said, I want to be the first brown Ellen of Australia. And he said, well, come up on this stage and tell us more about it. Yeah. So I did. I came up and I shared my my vision uh, with 250 people. And Andrew Morello, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but Andrew Morello was the first winner of The Apprentice with Mark Boris. Yep. And so he actually was one of the partners of the entourage. And he um, he said, if you book a date, I promise you I'll be your first guest for free. Because he had a bit of a name for himself. So that was a great name drop moment for me. Yeah. And I said, okay. That's what I'm going to do. So I went and booked it. And he flew down from Sydney and arrived five minutes after the show had already started. And I could just see me wanting to introduce him next. And here he was running down the stairs off a flight. It was was phenomenal. And so you do need to learn to reach out to people. I've always been somebody that likes to do things on my own. Um, and I don't like to call out for help, but I love to help every man and his dog. And I think that the real lesson is, is it's okay to ask. The worst that they can say is no. So, so for me, it was about getting out there more, uh, utilizing my circles, utilizing my networks, um, asking them to share it. And it used to be a really tough. I used to find that really difficult, but that is the key to getting yourself out there and noticed. Mm. Is there a right way to do that? Because I know people struggle with that as well. Um, you know, asking people for help, asking people that they don't know for help, or asking people that they're not only likely to distribute stuff or share stuff. How, how do you approach that? Look, there is a, there's a lot of different cohorts of people. So there are people that will do it just because they love you. Then there'll be people that do it because they want something in return. Um, or they'll do it because they want to look popular themselves. The people have different reasons and agendas for why they want to help you. So you have to figure out people's why. Why would it? Why would they benefit from helping me in any way? So I would go to, to businesses as an example. I would say, I would love you to sponsor my show, promote us, and what I can do for you in return is this. We can put your logo on everything. You know, ABC are coming this time round. So your profile increases. It was really about learning how to pitch to the person's why. I would say. Mm. Makes sense. Which works. Yep. Which works. <laughs> You're a back niche. I am. I'm You're back. Here. Good to have you back. You've missed out on this so much. You oh, he has, hasn't you? <laughs> There's been nugget after nugget after nugget. Honestly. Honestly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm still hearing some echo, but I think I can handle that. Um, so, you know, tell us about the, uh, you know, the adventure into running a cafe. How did that come about? Because I've been to the to the cafe when uh, I think you were about to wrap it up. It's a beautiful place, and I think you you shared a story with me about 
about the Lebanese woman uh, date a Muslim and how did that come about? There was really, really interesting stories. So tell us about the cafe that you ran. Absolutely. So that cafe originally was uh, run by Hannah Safiri and the Moroccan Delicacy, which was a very, very popular place. And I was a part of an initiative that she had created called Speed Data Muslims. Um, and Speed Data Muslims was a great initiative of bridging the gap between Muslims and non-Muslims. So I would attend that every week. Um, and then after my documentary on ABC, I developed a bit of popularity in the keynote speaking arena um, and just in media. I started to get a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of leverage from what happened with the documentary. And Hannah decided to call me and say, look, I've decided to give up this place. What a perfect opportunity for you to start living your own dreams and have the freedom and to, to continue on with these great conversations. And, you know. and I thought, wow, I'm ready to leave corporate. I've been in workers' compensation for 18 years and I'm a little bit more open than just workers' comp. There's more to me than that. So I thought, what an exceptional opportunity to take over a venue. So it wasn't taking over the business, it was just taking over the venue, which was already popular. So I thought the numbers will still continue to come and they've seen me here with Speed Date. So I thought, wow, it's amazing. Why don't I create my own community-centric cafe where I get the opportunity to continue great conversations with people. It had an upstairs. So I thought, wow, we could do so many different things here, wellness and entertainment and comedy shows and all the rest of it. So I thought, yep, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Did I have the financial backing to leave corporate at the time I didn't actually and I think that's the key message I want to tell people is that I took a leap of faith with two very young children and a husband so sorry three children um, and and I and I didn't have the backing so I, I increased my mortgage and I said I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this work and it was extraordinary. The first few months of this business were absolutely incredible. And I called it Alicia's and everyone thought my name was Alicia and that's okay. Because when you disappear, sometimes it's good to have a different name. So I actually, Alicia's number one, right? That's my other name. Um, but Alicia's actually stood for my kids, Aliyah and Shahan. And um, we called it East of the Middle. So Alicia's Cafe Collective was this group of people coming together to achieve greatness. And that's what we tried to do. So I had, um, every demographic you can imagine as part of my staff, from uh, transgender to gay to disabled to, to mentally unfit uh, to culturally diverse, and it worked. All of us together as a team and as a family made this business work. I, without fail, hugged every customer that walked into the door, and they knew that that's the experience they would be getting. Uh, we had live comedy shows. We had cultural conversations. It was extraordinary. I loved every minute of it. I loved making coffee for my people. Um, but, you know, with business and Ligon Street, things don't always work out. And I got out quickly because I knew that financially it wasn't going to be a viable business to continue on with another lease. And that's okay. And that's actually okay. So I had resolved that very quickly. And I already had a job to go to before I even shut the cafe. So, so to continue on with making sure there was income. Um, and I became a teacher at Box Hill Institute, teaching community services, just to do something different for once, of course. How did that happen? Because a man walked into my cafe asking me to have a cultural conversation with his students and said, you'd be a great teacher. Have you ever thought about it? 
And I went, hmm, that's one thing I haven't done as yet. Sure, why not? So I went, so I had an interview at Boxhill Institute and I had a job already landed before I finished up at the cafe. So, but the cafe was exceptional. We were named the top 10 um, coolest cafes in 2019. We were the best falafels in Melbourne and they weren't even falafels, they were Indian pakoras. But that's okay. That's why we were called East of the Middle because we were crazy by nature and it worked. So quitting without a safety net, so just quitting, did that, how did that help? Like did, was it sink or swim and you were going to swim? That, that it aged you? my parents, that's for sure. So yeah. my mum and dad were clearly going to go into their hundreds when I told them I was going to leave corporate and buy a cafe. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I took the leap of faith and I decided that no matter what happens, um, I was never going to regret it because I always wanted to run my own business. I always wanted to do something creative and wonderful. And I don't regret an iota of what I did at this cafe. It was the best experience of my life. And what has come out of that is, again, that key message of knowing people, networking, um, and, and holding on to people that are of real value to you, both spiritually, professionally, emotionally, um, in business. It has been the key to my success in everything that I do actually mm. is the network so i was okay with failing i was okay with it succeeding um i just knew i was ready to take that leap and i'm a huge believer of taking a sabbatical outside of your industry because you get to come back and reinvent yourself in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways so, mm. Mm. what would be your you know you, you've seen covid19 and the havoc that it plays on people's career what would be your suggestions to people who are right now considering, uh, you know, career change, or who are currently going through career change? Because it's a, you know, for a lot of lot of people find it easy to change career. They can switch on and switch off, and um, they can say, you know, what I can become a community service teacher from a cafe owner, you know, very rapidly. And some people struggle to make those changes. What if you reflect back? What are some of the key learnings that you had around? changing careers and what really helped you apart from obviously your 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 intrinsic desire to do something different um you do need to have some smarts about you that's for sure but you need to have purpose and goal and i'll give you an example of somebody that actually doesn't have that same drive as me and that same passion and had to reinvent themselves in corona and that's my husband so my husband's a graphic designer by trade and he was in printing for the last few years and he hated every minute of it to be honest and he's never known how to reinvent himself he's always looked at me probably a little bit enviously um sort of wondering how do you do this how do you just change careers and do what you do so he was made redundant in Corona, which was really interesting. So he was made redundant, I think, around April. And he was given absolutely no choice but to reinvent himself. So he is now nowhere near design and printing anymore. He's now in NDIS and he's working in disability services and he's studying again. Um, through adversity comes incredible opportunity, I believe. Um, and I'm a big believer of, of challenge yourself. When it's tough, when it's uncomfortable, that is the best place for growth. Um, yeah. And I saw him shine through that, that experience. And you need backup. You need support. If it's just a friend, one friend, it's somebody to debrief and to talk to. I'm also a big believer is find somebody smarter than you. Um, I'm not the smartest person in the world because there's somebody else smarter than me and there's somebody smarter than that person. And we will always learn. We will always grow. There is no excuse anymore. When my kids ask me a question, like, Mom, how does that happen? I always say to them, look it up on Google. <laughs> 
I say that to my mum. But it also saves me having to just explain it. And also when I don't know it, it also helps me refer to Google. So um, no longer do, pe- do parents look silly anymore because we can all just get on here. But I, I think the key is there is no excuse to not know something anymore. There is no excuse to not be able to learn something new. If you wanted to know um, how to nail a, a, a nail into a tin shed perfectly, you can look up that sentence on Google and it would tell you how to do it. So for me, I think that the opportunities are endless. Technology has allowed us to become more learned. Um, and, and if you don't have it in you to become somebody that's capable of that, then find somebody that will help you achieve your dreams. Delegate to the right people. It's funny that, isn't it? Because... Um, you know, that attitude that you can learn, that it is available to you to learn. I think it takes, if you've been in the one job for many years, it's it's generally provided to you, you know, the, the pathway or the learning and, and so forth. So that attitude around, well, I can do this or I could look it up, I could work it out or somebody might be available to help me is a real gift to give to yourself, I think. I think it's invaluable. You know, there have been opportunities even when I used to work in corporate. There would be little things that I might just not understand. You know, finance was never my favourite friend. Um, Get on YouTube and you can do courses after courses to understand the basics of finance. So for me, there is never not an opportunity. There is always an opportunity for more. Um, if you, if if, if 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 the TV industry wasn't going to take me on, guess where I can go now? Snapchat. I can go on TikTok for God's sake. I can do whatever I like, and nobody can. And, you know, and if I really wanted to be popular, I would just have to do something really ridiculous and probably be going viral the day after. So, um, but you know, can you skateboard? You can, I can skate. Well, I've, well, actually, a friend of ours bought skateboards for my children over the weekend, which I was pretty disheartened by, actually. But now I'm learning the art of balance a little bit too. So. <laughs> skateboards teaching us a whole lot of things, all of us. Tell us about the power of a network, because it seems like the, you know you've, you've been a natural networker and you you enjoy engaging with people. Uh, you know what are some of the, the things that you've seen people struggle with? Because you know, especially coming from uh, you know migrant background, it it's natural for us to, or even for me, when I came here, I would naturally get a tra- you know gravitated to somebody who speak Hindi or Gujarati because that's my that's my man. You know, I want to talk to you you know that's, that's it, the like came and it took a while for me to really open up and have a chat with caroline for example right of course. you know it took it took a while so share some of the learnings that you had on the way of or some of the some hacks of the that you have which allows people to connect with each other and expand their network I think now more than ever, we're in such a wonderful period in life where cultural diversity and inclusion has become the biggest topics ever. My biggest key, I would say, to the art of networking is authenticity. I have always been authentic. I don't change myself in the workplace, whether I'm at a networking get together, wherever I am, I am the same person. You will not see me any differently. And people love that. People want to see um, uh, who you really are. They don't want to see the person trying to sell you something. Um, I still remember when I was in business development and I would ring up some of my customers and say, look, you know, I've got a bonus to achieve. I'm going to be really frank with you. My boss is on to me. My boss is on to me. So you need to- 
just meet me for the sake of it, will you? And they'd be like, this emotional blackmail sales. Sort of genuineness, just, you know, how can I not catch up with you today? And I said, and I promise you I'll deliver something fabulous and we can have a great conversation about whatever it is you want to talk about. And I'd meet people. And, you know, it's extraordinary. Those relationships I developed in corporate and business development through working in workers' comp. Do you know that 50% of those people walked into my cafe to see what I was doing after that? So the key is to be authentic. Be comfortable with being different, I would say. And you should be really comfortable with being who you are. My dad did raise me to believe that, that the world was quite racist and that I wouldn't get ahead and I wouldn't get far in life. Um, and also having a little bit of a bigger nose in life, dad said, how are you going to be on television with such a large nose? And I thought, well, you're, tr- you're right. Well, I didn't believe that I could actually because I believed that for many a year. Um, until I realised it had nothing to do with that. It was all about how I showed up and how dynamic I could present myself. So people love genuineness. People love authenticity. People love great storytelling. People love honesty about how you feel about yourself. People like vulnerability. So it's okay to tell people I prefer hanging out with my own because that's where I've always felt comfortable. But I don't want to do that anymore. I actually want to be out there meeting new people because that's what that's what I want to be. That's what I want to share. That's how I want to increase my opportunities. So be comfortable to say that to people. Mm. I love that story about sales by emotional blackmail. I need to meet oh, my target. The only, one, the only way. It is the only way to be. Is a bit of emotional blackmail. <laughs> Well, I, I, I hear similar stories from my kids every weekend. Um, I can give a simple example. My younger one actually takes the promise from us. He doesn't ask us to, probably he compels us to promise them that, you know, last, I think the Diwali weekend, uh, you know, we went to, um, you know, my uh, my wife's cousin's place and he, I don't know, somewhere he, you know, he got the, you know, my wife's cousin to, to promise him to buy a Beyblade. And I said, no, that's not possible. Next day morning, he woke up and said, so the uncle has already promised me that he's going to buy a Beyblade. Uh, so why don't you, why don't we go out to the Kmart after we finish the school? And I said, but when did you do that? No, no, uncle has already promised me. And uncle has said that once you buy the gift for me, he will pay you the money. So hang on, where did that, like literally, you know? And he, when he comes back from the school, he actually remembers that. The first question is, all right, Dad, you finish your LinkedIn live and then we are going to Kmart, right? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, have, I have I have not seen somebody who is so persistent, so professional in the follow-up that he does. You know, that you are, you know, even though you like it or don't like, you are, you end up in, in Kmart at 5 p.m. to get the bloody Beyblade and get him out of your headspace. Because you're, you're continue, whenever you look at in the house, he's looking at you. You're absolutely right. They're very, very good at networking. You're right. And, they, and pitching what they want in life. And they normally always get the sale, don't they? They absolutely, absolutely. And then they, and I've also noticed that because of the coronavirus, you know, COVID situation, they usually come at a time where you are compelled to say only yes, because you can't argue with them at that time. So right in the middle of the meeting, Dad, can I have this ice cream? Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, that's what happens, you know? Go and become diabetic, but don't blame me for it. I know. You know, I was talking to a few people around just children and, and isolation and working from home parents. And the one thing that was disheartening, I will say, for kids, um, it was a great opportunity for us to be together, especially after the cafe. We got to spend so much time together. It was, it was um, great for me. 
But we've never said no to our children more than we have said that in Corona. We've never had to reject them as much. I don't know how many times I've done this. I'm in a meeting. I'm in a meeting. Go away. I'm talking to people. And that is, that's really tough. And I noticed I've never rejected my kids more than I did in Corona, actually. So there was um, some real, a real kudos to the parents out there that were working from home and managing their kids. Um, it can be done, um, but a pat on the back to everybody that did it because it did have its um, effects. And um, yeah. Agree. So just sort of going back to your career. Sorry, so sometimes I feel like giving them cough syrup according to, to make sure that they they sleep for a longer time and I can finish my, uh, you know, my chat, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with my colleagues and everything else. Yes, KB, go ahead. It works. It's a nation's anyway. coding parental guidance tip <laughs> included in careers. So um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, yeah, it was around, um, you know, you and the, the career changes that you've made. Um What's been hard about them and how have you overcome, you know, a challenge that's been in them? Ah, interesting. Look, the media entertainment side of it's been really tough because if you really want it, you really have to fight for it more than most careers, I would say. And I never wanted, it wasn't about fame for me. So it's funny because a lot of people must assume, is it about being a celebrity? Are you trying to get famous? What is it you're trying to achieve? And I've asked myself, why Why have I not faced this more? It hasn't been about that. It's been this engagement piece that I've always loved. I've always loved uh, meeting and mixing with people. And so the biggest challenge probably has been how do you continue in such a progressive world now especially with technology how do you keep changing the game and reinventing yourself in that space to stay uh, relevant and current and to be the difference because i mean we laughed about it before you can get on tiktok now and and scare your child from behind and you'll go viral and that can make money for you whereas talking about passion and working hard to become a stage a uh, stage performer gone are those days and people aren't interested that doesn't go in, that doesn't go viral so it's about well how do, do i want it enough or is the space that i'm already in keynote speaking getting to fmc for large events getting to go on doing great things like this is that actually what i'm is that all i actually want to do and maybe that is my answer so it's actually about really making sure you know why you're doing what you do um, and if you face the challenges um knowing how to navigate through them in a time where life is becoming very very progressive Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Excellent. Gustav, we, do, we have run out of questions because you've answered them all very succinctly. Aren't I and, fabulous? Uh, <laughs> You're only human. I, I don't know why did I invite you at 175th episode. Do you I know just, what I mean? Uh, we'll talk about that one day. I'm a bit disappointed. I'm not going to lie to you. you it's a special be. number, though. It's got a five in it. Oh, there you go, you see. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Husna, thank you again for joining us and we wish you all the best and we are really excited to see the next career change that you will mm. undertake. And, uh, well, let's hope that everybody comes to the online talk show and, and celebrate. So, you know, and if we have people that want to actually be a part of that, you know, let you guys know and we can see what we can do. But thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful. So, um, and Poonam's popped up to say hi. So, hi Poonam, good to see you here. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube and you like what you see, if you can please subscribe, we'd love you forever. We're marching towards a thousand slowly. It's kind of like a trot, I think. Um, <laughs> if you're watching on uh, LinkedIn, please follow the hashtag career care package. And Nash, do you want to tell people what we're doing tomorrow? 
Absolutely. So tomorrow we are speaking to Renata Bernardi and tomorrow's topic is very interesting because a lot of us think that uh, the Australian economy shuts down from Melbourne Cup Day and opens up when the Australia Day long weekend finishes. So we are going to be challenging that assumption tomorrow with Renata and she thinks that that's a wrong assumption. So she's going to share with us some of the myths around end of the year job hunting. So it's a show that you do not want to miss. So please join us tomorrow, 3 p.m. at the you know at the same channel. We will do this again. Until that, please stay happy, stay healthy, look after yourself. And yes, the mask rules in Melbourne is bit eased. But remember, if you are inside, please do wear mask. Um, until we see you tomorrow, have a safe evening, everyone. Bye for now. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.